0: Hey everybody, before we get into this issue or this audio issue, I just wanted to let you guys know that around like halfway through, uh, Drew kind of has a little bit of connection issues and I really should have um, taken more steps to like stop the recording and trying to fix that rather than like soldiering on. Um, it's not that bad. It's a, There's a little bit of popping and a little bit of like robotiness at times and I think that I've cleaned it up a little bit in audition and I hope that it ends up being alright. But just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up and uh, yeah, enjoy the issue. everybody, welcome to Plus Heart episode, I think this is gonna be 22. Um, I really enjoyed doing the last like audio episode and it, it didn't die a death, so I figured I'd do another one. And um, I've actually been meaning to talk to this person for a while. And he's he's actually part of the inspiration for doing this newsletter in its like prototypical form where I wanted to talk a lot more about like design and fashion and stuff like that. And as, as the newsletter kind of like, evolved and i realized like what i actually like writing about um it kind of expanded a lot but i when i was starting this newsletter part of it was dming this this man that i'm talking to right now and uh being like hey where do i as someone who barely knows how to dress himself where where do i what kind of reading do i do to do get like even a tiny bit of understanding about how like fashion hits with culture and then how like fashion hits with like esports culture so um Drew, as he goes by the handle Drew face, I'm gonna let him introduce himself. But uh yeah, that's that's who we're talking to today. Drew, if you wanna
1: Hey. Honestly, it's a huge honor for you. That that intro is incredible, man. Thanks for that. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't even know I was inspi- like part of the inspiration. I was just like, Yeah, man, Matt's doing a cool thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> anyway, just to to get the intro uh my name is Drew. I'm the creative director of Parabello, and I I'm currently until December the creative director of incendium Parabellum's is uh, a esports team in canada that's making a lot of waves right now they're primarily a rainbow six team uh and they make most of their money off merch and incendium's an fgc event organization and production group and esport consultation like group i guess <laughs> like there is a lot of consulting going on there but, oh yeah totally yeah and
0: i think the interesting thing about like that consulting kind of like title is that it's it, it, esports has had, has its share of like charlatans, if that makes sense, and it has a share of people giving themselves the consultant title. And for what we're doing, like I, I do a little bit myself, and it's just like I think a lot of what we're trying to do is translate. We're, we're acting as translators, you know, we're acting as mediators in terms of or like localizers, even, you know, uh, of going to these people who want to use this culture and money or like for money, they want to try to leverage it or they want to try to like uh you know sell things to to the audience or even just like adopt that aesthetic we're trying to make it uh that that translation smooth you know and and i think that when like i was saying in terms of the the idea of this newsletter or whatever the idea of the space part of that was seeing like how open you were about you know posting stuff about translate like i said being that kind of like localizer or translator translator between FGC culture. And for people who don't know, FGC is fighting game community, um, which is, which has its own, like, you know, rich history or tapestry of culture. And it's like trying to like transition that or translate that to like, you know, the people that might not be familiar with it. And I'm really enjoying what you got, what you're doing with Parabellum. It's like, I think that a lot of your designs have a very personal touch to them and, I don't know. It's it's very easy to look at esports as a whole and just be like, okay, esports is only like FaZe Clan and like the big the big guys are like 100 Thieves and stuff like that. And then you kind of like zoom out yeah. a little bit and it takes a little bit of hunting, but you find things that feel real, you know? And, and and that's partially what I like about your designs. They feel real. They feel personal. They feel like they're coming from somewhere.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I tend to, I like to tell stories with my designs. Uh, I try to, and I try to put a little bit of me and Every single piece of them, because I feel like, like when you try to create something organic and putting it out to the masses, like honestly, appealing to the masses suck anyway. Yeah, like I, I never, I I never try to appeal to the masses. I think selling out is like a like a, a crapshoot. Like why why would I do that, right? So I was like, i would design it for me, and I luckily have like the confidence of a monster. I'm like, yeah, I think I dress okay. I'm gonna put this out and like. If I like you, I'm pretty sure someone else will. Right? So I mean, that was my, <laughs> that was my mentality. That was my me, mentality. So. That's the best.
0: That's the best mentality. Like that's the thing is that like I think I mentioned on the last the last episode that there's different degrees of confidence, and one of those degrees of confidence is Kanye West confidence. Where you're so yeah. confident in your vision, and you're so confident that even if people like don't get it immediately, they're gonna catch up. You know. Then and, and I think that esports is constantly in an arms race of what feels real, and Even if there is that kind of like, oh, this is kind of like weird. I'm not sure if like, you know, this is going to be something that, you know, a mainstream audience or a mass appeal audience is going to like glom onto. It's like if you make it cool enough and if the people wearing it are doing cool enough things, people won't, people will catch up. You know, people will understand why it's cool and then like want to chase that for themselves. Or they won't understand why it's cool at all and they'll just be like, okay, I have to wear this because like other people are wearing it. And that's 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 partially what I was like really fascinated about with like with the like the the knowledge or the research that goes into fashion um, yeah. was that picking apart of people's brains and and it's almost like you have very small movements of a design or a style or something like that and then it does hit something it hits something real. And then it loses that as it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. It's almost yeah. depressing. It's a little depressing, and I'm sure that you yeah. probably understand that.
1: And that, that's why we kind of do like you see a lot of limited releases because those you try to still maintain the, the essence of like this is mine, this is personal. And that's why like, uh, and that's the thing like fashion is personal. It's very it's a self expression, and I think when when a lot one more people understand that, you're gonna see. Like all these like beautiful niches of like fashion and just personal style. And that's the thing. It's an expression of yourself. And I don't know why you wouldn't try to make it personal. I don't know why you wouldn't try to to like say, hey, this is me. Like, yeah, copy, you, sh- you should borrow, copy other elements of other people because it makes you feel like something, right? And that's the whole point of expression. You're trying to feel something. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what fashion is. You're like looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I feel good when I wear like, I don't know, my like Japanese kimono, or, yeah, you know, yeah. on on the daily or whatever. Well I get like the, stuff like that.
0: I get the feeling that like I get the feeling there's like another layer of thinking there though, right? It's like there's another layer of thinking where you're um I guess a better question to ask is like when did you start going like when did you start like thinking deeper about fashion and when did that kind of like take a bit more hold in terms of design because I see a lot of kids like this is this is speaking to our age I guess and how long we've been doing <laughs> this is like I see a lot of kids who are coming up as like quote-unquote esports designers and it's like they don't have they're not doing anything original right or, or you can tell that it's not they're following a template of what they think is success you know they look at graphic design teams from top teams or whatever, and they just copy that blatantly. And you're like, I can tell that there's nothing in there in here. That's you, you know? So I mean, like at what point it, did, did you kind of make that jump, I guess, from fan to being like, okay, cool. I can kind of put how I'm thinking about design or fashion or whatever into like my work.
1: It, I mean, I've, I've been designing since I was 12 and professionally since I was like 17. Nice. uh and by by professionally i mean like other clients uh for money you have a regular for, client like for, for actual yeah. <laughs> yeah and and like bakeries and like local mom and pop shops and like signage and stuff and print shops since i was 17 which by the way violated a lot of like <laughs> labor laws <laughs> law, labor laws in ontario but yeah no um i mean when you when young designers start out you and it's funny because, like, young designers in the actual design industry is, like, mid-20s, early 30s. It's yeah. not actually, like, what we see in esports, which is, like, a decade, like, lower than that. 13-year-olds. Which is, you know,
0: yeah, like, people with pirated Photoshop's, Photoshop yeah. licenses. And...
1: And, and and let me tell you, like, a lot of... So, like, a bulk of my freelance work is, like, saving these big teams because these young designers don't know how to work for print because they're not, like, formally trained, Right? Yeah. Or trained in that aspect. So, like, they don't know how to make things for print or, like, do things for bigger stuff. And that stems from, like, the inexperience. Like, they're trying to copy stuff because they don't know any better. They haven't gone into the field. They haven't gone like, yelled at by, like, <laughs> like, like an immigrant person who's like, hey, this is not, this won't sell, blah, blah, blah. Or, like, they haven't worked in an agency where, like, deadlines are, like, being promised by different people. They're, yeah. they're used to, like, working on their own time. And unfortunately, like, it doesn't push them in a direction in a way because it's a little loose. But in a way, you kind of do develop your own style, but it's a lot slower. Whereas, like, when you get in the actual industry field, like, outside of eSports, you're, you're getting your ass kicked, like, all the fucking time because you're learning how to, like, temper your ego. Because let's face it, like, design is still, like, when you do creative work, you have to put your ego in it and depending on how you interpret the word ego the way i interpret the word ego is just your view of self right uh other people think ego is like oh man this guy has an inflated ego where he thinks of himself too highly blah 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 like that's how that's like the consensus of how people view ego but for me i view it as like how you view yourself uh in general and you have to have like you, you get your ass kicked like you get humbled real quick when you're like like you're like 15, 16, and you're you're like one hour or 10 minutes late on a deadline. Right? Do you think
0: that? Do you think that part of it is that like I think that what I'm seeing a lot is that, and and I'm guilty of this too. And I, right. I, for for context, it's like I started blogging when I was like 16, and that right. turned into like you know actually trying to write for money and then actually trying to like work for teams and getting my journalism degree and stuff like that. But at right. the end of the day, like that I'm realizing now is that I think I took a lot of validation from people enjoying my work. And right. when I look at the I don't I don't want to turn this into just like yelling at yelling about old, like young kids doing this, but right. part of part of what I wanted to do with this newsletter was to just try to like have more resources for people who are trying to like do you know, work in this industry and like leave leave like right. a better footprint, you know, in terms of what um I don't know, no one's teaching people how to like work in this industry. You know, and I, and I don't think that even like, you know, the university courses that are popping up right now, they're, they're out of date by the time that, you know, people graduate from them. So, but do you think that like, I'm noticing that they're using that kind of design knowledge or the, the, the production of like, if they make like something on spec, like if they make something just to, um, just to do something and they'll do this with like streamer rebrands they'll like go to their favorite cod player and they'll say okay i'm I'm, i've done a stream layout for player x and they'll they'll always tag it they'll tag it as like unrequested or something like that and then they'll tag like a whole bunch of people and I, i went through this with evil geniuses i went through this with luminosity when i was handling their socials is that we'd have so many of these kids just like unprompted be like okay well i took one of your players and i redid their entire identity and you you could tell that part of it isn't necessarily practice part of it is to get that acknowledgement part of that is to get that retweet from a streamer or the the player that they're rebranding or to try to get like a rebrand from the the team itself and it's like right. i'm not saying it's insulting because there's you know i'm, I'm not going to tell some kid not to do that But at the same time, it's like, you got to like reassess where your priorities are, right? Are you doing this in order to get those props? Or are you doing this because this is like a challenge you need to do for yourself in terms of saying like, hey, I'm going to like rebrand the Toronto Maple Leafs or something like that, right? But at the same Mm -hmm. time, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have the conceit of like going to the Toronto Maple Leafs or a player and being like, hey, use this, you know, hey, do this. Because it's almost like they're assuming that there hasn't been any thought put into it. You know, it's almost like they're, they're presenting this work and they're saying it's better than what you guys have. And you're like, no, there's a reason we're doing things the way that we are. There's a reason we put enough of work or thought into this brand. And you kind of aren't recognizing that if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. A lot of young designers out the gate, they, and I hate, like I said, I don't like, it's hard because
0: we're not trying to be grandpas here. Yeah. We're not trying. We're not trying to be grandpas saying that, hey, we're gonna get replaced by these kids. But I'm trying to help uh, these kids. You know,
1: basically, a young designer will come out, and most of the time, they don't have the experience to, to understand the nuances of how, uh, the design process does work. And so that's why, like, a lot of that's why you see. I don't know if you noticed a shift, but a lot of uh, esports teams aren't even hiring young designers anymore to like lead projects and direct projects they're hiring actual ad marketing and ad agencies just because like they didn't want to do the bullshit anymore yeah (laughs) well the investor money is like getting up there which is where like like luckily that's how like i've been able to to make my due due to my experiences working at agencies working in-house at actual industries outside of esports Yeah. yeah. that would establish that's the irony though That's, that's the irony is
0: that like, we, we get scared that like as professionals, we get, we get scared that we are going to get undercut or replaced or something like that by people, by people, you know, people who are going to work for peanuts or whatever. And then the team's choice is either go with really cheap volunteer labor. That's going to give you a shit product. Go with non-esports design firms who don't get esports. And potentially you're going to miss that kind of cultural, you know, aspect of it. And then they got to hire people, you know, to either fix it or to be intermediaries to go to those design firms and go like, okay, this is why this is important. This is why we're including this, 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 or they just hire people like us where we're in like a a nice little middle ground, right. Where, you know, you you have that kind of experience of living that culture, but also you're professional enough to know like what, you know, what a deadline is or how to like do a, in my case, it's like an analytical uh, analytics report or something like that. Right. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, in, in my experience is actually just process. A lot of the young designers don't communicate uh, what, what's going on or they don't really take this extra step to be like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish here. Like creative briefs it. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, they like, they don't really know they don't really know how to tackle it, create a creative brief. They don't know how to explain the rationale and they don't know how to justify it either. And that's like the biggest and that's the thing the situation most high-level esports team face is that they're going to spend a lot of money both ways. They spend a lot of money with the agency because the agency doesn't really understand or have an organic uh touch with the communities yeah. that they're trying to appeal to or they go with someone who is organic, but unfortunately doesn't have the uh, professional skills to adequately explain or deliver a product. And they both lose almost the same amount of money. <laughs> it, it just
0: it depends on the, it depends on the, the final product, right? It's like, do you want something like I get the feeling that, especially if you're a CEO or something, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of more executives that are, that are non-endemic coming in. And I think that's leading a lot of the, the push for like non-endemic design firms and stuff like that is they just go okay well like i've handled this at another company we use this design team they don't know esports, but it's like i know they'll at least like do work right and then you end yeah. up with something that feels like really hollow but um i mean specifically that's... sorry
1: yeah. go i mean that's that's the thing right uh right now like esports, sports where you're we're seeing it right a lot of layoffs the, lately, vibe, doing... the vibe has yeah, shifted the vibe has shifted
0: more corporate i think in yeah. the last like year or two and it's kind of weird
1: it's kind of weird but it's because like it's not sustainable oh yeah the of course economy. it's not so like they're bringing in non-endemic people who who hopefully stabilize or create actual streams of revenue besides like clock chasing and like farming impressions it's and, like hoping investors will buy into those analytics like it's they're, very they're weird actually, yeah it's it, it's a really weird spot but it's yeah. a
0: it, it's a weird spot because like investor like having investors in general means that you don't have the ability to just focus like you have to scale, scaling means more revenue and then more revenue means a better return on investment. So it's like you don't get that benefit of like I I had the I had a conversation with someone a couple of months ago where I was like there's going to be like three tiers of like esports teams. There's going to be a there's going to be the really corporate. And like we're seeing with like phase with their like public offering and that kind of stuff, it's going to be the mm-hmm. type of team that is so like big that they can't move fast. And because they've got so much, mon- so many people on the inside and so many that are non endemic and so much expectations from investors who also are not endemic that right. they don't, they can't move fast and they can't, but at the same time, they're so big that like um, they're going to definitely like set, Trends and stuff like that, fine, but it's almost going to be a little alienating to the people that have worked in esports for a while because they're not going to find a place there. They're going to be like, well, we don't really care about the culture. We just need to sell X amount of, like, you know, phase shoes or something like that, right? And then you're yeah. going to have like a middle ground, or sorry, you're going to have like a low tier of team, which is ba- like you've probably seen the Weekend Warrior team that you know, will pay for like one graphic design branding package and that's what they're going to be using because they don't really have income. And if they do get a good player or something, that player is going to get, you know, snapped up by the bigger teams because they're actually talent. So that brand is never going to go anywhere because they just can't, you know, they can't maintain momentum and they can't compete in terms of the talent that they're offering if any good talent like either inside the organization or as a player come up they're just going to get snapped up but my theory is that we're going to run into a middle ground where i call them theme parks like in this conversation i call them like a theme park where Mm -hmm. you're going to get like a one rich person that really likes esports culturally and because Mm -hmm. they're really rich they're going to be able to give a level of freedom to creators and players that go okay well we, we can do what we need to or like what we think is best and it either does well and the guy doesn't care because he's so rich or um, it just burns out. Then, then the person lose interest, takes away the money. And then all those professionals, like those professionals just end up going to the next thing, you know? So it's kind of like a weird scale of like, how authentic is it? Like how much does it like rely on like actual esports culture versus like how viable is it as a business and how much money can like people working in those orgs actually make um i don't know i I get the feeling as like a designer it's almost like design is indicative of what stage that company is at you know it's like you've probably seen like so many teams where you're just like this isn't working and it, it, it tells me so much about how you work inside if that makes sense
1: yeah uh i like the thing about design is that we, we solve a problem and most of the problems are like, how do I create a, a great first impression without me, without me being there, like without the company being there physically. And when I look at other companies, like when I, if I see poor design work, I look at them and I'm like, yeah, I know how much you're actually able to spend on this or what your values are. And it's doesn't leave me a great impression. Or sometimes I'm like, wow, this is great. This leaves me with a great impression of your company because you value stuff stuff like this
0: that's interesting because it's like i am i'm approaching this from like a social media perspective where i think that like the it's it's, it's a different kind of work in the sense that like with social i have to live that brand a little bit harder if that makes sense and you have to give it a voice and everything i have to give it a voice and i have to like interact with it a lot i have to believe it and i have to be able to like um the content that i create has to like live it i like i can't imagine going like, uh, sorry, this, I don't, I don't, as a, as a, as a caution, I'm not trying to like sell you short here. I'm more just saying is like, I think it's possible for a designer to get hired on as a contract in order to like figure out, you know, a designer, a logo or, you know, a, a fashion thing, like a, a merchandise thing, and then be able to just like say, okay, the work is done. I'm, you know, I've, I've done this contract. Cool. I'm done. You know? Um, and then I can take a step away from it and go like work on another company or project or something. I don't know if I could do that with social media because like the social media that like in terms of actually performing the marketing in terms of like actually like launching a campaign and like whatever, it requires so much like immersion into the brand. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Is that like when you're doing design, I'm not, I am not. I can't imagine that you don't get attached to that like brand voice. Like that has to be part of it, right?
1: Well, um, so like part of my part of like my job as a career director and when I do like art directions for other companies as a freelancer, I'm creating a, a voice, uh, a brand, a culture, a vibe just through visuals. And that's what I try to do. And there's it's, there's a lot of strategy involved, which is where like the whole consulting thing comes in, but it, it, it does at some point you, you can't be too personally attached to the work yeah. anymore. Right. And that's the thing. That's why like for like that's the difference between like someone who's like been in the field for outside of the esports versus someone who's just starting in esports. A lot of esports designers are very personally attached to their brand, to the brand of they're like designing for, which is great. That's that gives you the passion, the motivation to wake up and do the work every day. But at some point like uh do you kind of have to detach from it, especially if you're like a contractor for yeah. the company? Like you can't just be too personally invested, especially if you're a contractor. Like you're just like, hey, for this, like, it's like a, it's like a really good uh, summertime love relationship. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a great, awesome three months, and then when it comes September and October, goodbye. Like, <laughs> definitely... onto Tinder we go.
0: Like, yeah. No, well that's the thing is that I've definitely I've definitely experienced working with freelancers who because they're employed by the company, they think that they're an employee or they think that they're like it's it's so weird detangling the clout that you gain from working in esports from actually getting work. And I definitely have had to like take some people aside sometimes and grab them by their collar and like metaphorically and yeah. just be like, give them a shake a little bit and be like, hey, your priorities are wrong here. You're way too, you, you've got way more...
1: Personal investment, right? Well, and not, not even
0: personal investment. It's like what your what your priorities are, are are wrong. You should be focusing on the work, not the clout that you get from the work. You should be focusing on the work <laughs> oh, right. and not being close to like X, Y, Z player. You know, it's like, I, I think I struggle a lot with trying to be kind to like younger people because like i obviously like we've gone through bullshit in terms of how esports has like treated us in terms of like you know bad bad contracts or bad companies or whatever so you always want to be like okay i want to be able to like encourage like a more healthy industry or you know healthy like personal boundaries or whatever but then you're like kid you you don't actually want to work you know or like you 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 you're still treating this like a vacation when this industry is anything but You know, this isn't a party. This is a immature industry in terms of like the stability that it can give. And a lot of the opportunities that you're getting are still luxuries, you know, like being able to cover video games and get paid for it, you know? And I hate to use that because I get the feeling that like a lot of people- Well, that's the thing is that people use that that line of dialogue in order to like exploit you, right? They'll use that passion in order to be able to you know, exploit for free labor or volunteer labor or whatever, and just like never graduate to actually paying someone. Cause they'll just be like, Hey, it's just a luxury to be able to like work in this industry. But at the same time, it's like, you can't take it for granted, you know, especially when passion does inform like how well you do your job. Like I had the, I had an issue where I had to hire, I had a choice. I I could either hire someone for evil geniuses in order to cover dota because for me dota was such a like weird time zone thing that i couldn't be awake during normal working hours with the rest of the company while still covering dota so right. because my job wasn't just covering dota i had to like you know basically you hire some- time, right? well i had to hire someone to either cover dota or what ended up happening is i hired someone else to cover every other game because i realized that i couldn't pay someone enough to learn dota if they didn't care about it you know it's it's like it's like cricket you you can tell someone i will pay you an hourly wage to learn like how cricket works but you can't pay someone an hourly wage to care about cricket to the degree that they can make good social media posts you know gotcha. like you need to be yeah. able to to give someone the you're giving someone a privilege to like execute their passion but at the same time, you need that person to, like, take it seriously because you're trusting them with something that's that's big, you know?
1: And that's the thing. Like, it's such a young industry. Uh, a lot of people don't understand professional boundaries or, prof- like, be, just being professional about it. And I'm not saying, like... It's something
0: uh, we're growing into, you know? Like, yeah, it's it, something that it, we're growing yeah. into. And and it's going to be funny in, like, another 10 years where, like, I'm, I'm 33 right now. And it's, like, I'm going to be 43. And i might be like we we literally might be one of the first generations of you know old people that are like actual adults that are working there because you've got that kind of like like early 2000s generation of like their ex-players or even like the concept of a coach or a manager not just being hey i've got a friend that we can give free money to you know like that that kind of that kind of job post in esports is still like being developed there there are very few like actual veterans that actually know how this thing works and how it can all like work culturally
1: well i'm i'm, I'm starting to see a shift where uh esports teams that actually are well managed they're they're hiring uh skilled people first and then they're infusing or teaching them they're teaching passion the yeah they're, they're teaching the language the the language that needs to be spoken with which is like and I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see esports in 10 years just be like like every other industry instead of being like a decade younger. It's going to be like average average starting employee will be like 25 years old as opposed to like 19, right? So, Excel, Excel. Here's, so
0: here's the thing is that like with that line of questioning where, yeah, they're teaching them the passion. Are they teaching them like actually what esports is or are they just teaching what their their version of it is? You know, it's like hypothetically like a hundred thieves or something like that. You know, they're, they're doing this thing where they hire someone that has no idea about esports, and then they're teaching them like what's special about the industry, what they're learning is not like necessarily real. What they're learning is what hundred thieves perceives the industry as. And if they like it enough, then yeah, maybe they'll go seek it out on their own, but it's kind of this weird thing where they're not, they're not organically determining why they're there. If that makes sense.
1: Yes. And that's the thing though, like the the companies that are doing these hirings, they're kind of the industry leaders most of the time. So they're trying to shape the industry to go a certain way. And yeah, we're, we're just going to see, we're, we're going to see like, I think in the next three, not even five, but in the next two or three years, we're going to see what the industry is going to finally solidify and stabilize itself as, is it going to be like this, uh, this unstable, like hot, like venture capitalist seeking kind of industry where we're still trying to figure out what tangible product is worth selling or are we going to finally solidify like our avenues of re- like our avenues of revenue and and make money and actually start becoming a, a revenue generating industry because like that's the biggest issue and do you ever a, yeah I, I
0: don't know i was gonna say do you ever get nervous that you're do you, do you ever like worry that you're not gonna have a place within that you know do you do you ever worry that like the how the culture shifts i i don't want to say in the like the in the I don't want to say in the like uh practical sense because like how the industry like makes its money or whatever is different than like what the culture looks like in order to enable those revenue streams, you know? It's like if if Hundred Thieves decides that this is what esports is and then because they're hiring people and then also producing stuff that other people are copying, they kind of get to like determine what esports culture is and it's like if it changes to a degree like do you ever feel that it or like get nervous or scared or whatever that it might change to a degree where you're like okay this doesn't you know fit for me anymore
1: i mean that's with every industry right a lot of other industries will be like that or will can can be like that uh and happen like that for example i used to i used to work in the harm reduction aka vaping and e-cigarettes industry yeah uh and i was like. I, that's where I made my, uh, my reputation as a designer. Initially, uh, I was helping basically create like ad agency level style of advertising across Canada for, uh, these, these vape products. And it was doing super, super well until I like, I got a letter, uh, from service can not service Canada from like the government of Canada saying, Hey, we're because of like the, the two companies that are leading the industry in terms of advertising, we're going to regulate advertising in for vaping. And one of the companies that was listed was unfortunately mine, the one that I worked for. And so, yeah, that's when I, it hit me real hard. I couldn't be as creative anymore. I had to make everything like slap, like a white label on it, make sure it didn't look attractive or lifestyle, whatever. And that kind of also paved the way for everybody else. And I, I come from that experience where I know that, hey, if an industry has to shift, I have to adapt too. And I think a lot of designers have to sometimes face that, sometimes face the music. And the music sometimes will not be in the tune that you like. And... well
0: i i mean it more in like a personal sense where it's like were did you feel like culturally connected to vaping in the same way that you would hypothetically with like video games or something like that because i mean like hypothetically it's like you know you enjoy fighting games as much as the next person you know kind mm-hmm. of thing and it's like if you're suddenly like sp- spaced out of that you know does is that like a i don't know I, I i'm trying to believe
1: it or not i'm actually spaced out of the fighting game industry now. <laughs> already and i don't Yeah. I've been, I've been spaced out for the last seven years. I've only been in the FGC because I like running events. I like creating an event, uh, and organizing them and creating a different production style just to make it look unique. And yeah, I, I felt that change. And if I want to, and I looked at it and I said, Hey, I still want to be here. I just don't like any of the games at all. Like none of the games appeal to me. They haven't for the last eight, seven years. Right. And I was like, well, I don't really like any of the games, but I still like the people. I made a ton of friends there. I made a ton of like lifelong contacts, uh, and a lot of people important to me I met in the, indus- in the community and industry. So I was like, do I want to step out? No. So I'm gonna run events. I'm gonna adapt. I'm gonna figure out wh- what else to do. And luckily, I was I was good enough as a designer, and I was good enough. Well, I've obviously had some growing lessons, but I was good enough to run events in Canada, and sometimes that's that's what you gotta do. Like, you gotta, I mean,
0: like... I mean, like the the people. I mean, it's nice in the sense that the people stay. You know, it's like if you meet people within these kind of like cultures and stuff like that, you are, you know, it doesn't really depend on the culture of whether you're still going to talk to those people.
1: And and that's the thing. If the people do change, then yeah, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna change. And as long as the people don't change, I don't think i don't think the community aspect of it will change and i don't think much of the hmm. it's
0: interesting because as professionals we're like we're in two different camps you know in the professionals we're both we're we're still people that enjoy want to enjoy the product you know and and i would like to think that you know at i would say that you like i was gonna say at our level but i'm not doing any work (laughs) at the moment so you know as as people that are You know, maybe at like the contract level or something, or haven't really been like, um, maybe not working at like the big companies or something like that. It's like we still kind of have that like foot in each camp of like we want a product that we enjoy, but we also want to be able to like have a healthy like, you know, work relationship or, you know, even just shit like retirement, right? Retirement's pension stability. Like there, there, there's a generation of people that worked in esports that are now looking at like maybe starting families and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, hey, like does esports still fit? but it's still something that I love, you know, or it's still a product that I enjoy watching. And I, I, for me, it was very difficult to take a step a step back from that and be like, okay, hey, like working here isn't, or like working in the industry isn't giving me the stability that I need just to like grow as a person or like as I like get older. Um, so I don't know. I'm just trying to like part of part of what I'm doing with the newsletter was mostly to like still be able to write and still be able to like talk about shit that's like going on Uh, like culturally or you know it's it's the spirituality of the space rather than the specific like direction of the of the the business i guess because it's like there's no way in hell we're going to be able to resist like you know big business coming into esports but i'd like to think that we still have like little bits of being able to like hold on to culture that we like and might not fit well in big big business i guess i don't know Uh,
1: i that's the thing the these big businesses, they, we're only, we're only at this point because of the culture we built. Yeah. Sometimes it looks shaky. Sometimes it's like, wow, why are we, why are we all crypto degens now? (laughs) Like sometimes it looks, it's a little weird, but sometimes, uh, but not sometimes most of the time, as as, as long as there's the video game, as long as the competition is still there, that spirit of competition, the video games is still there. I don't see myself leaving because I I love watching the best fight the best. Yeah, no it's, matter what, it's
0: the it's the idea of competition that's like that feels right. If that makes yeah, sense, that,
1: that feels right. And it, like as long as I and that's the thing, we're we're fans, right? We're all fans first. Yeah, that's why we keep doing this. If we weren't, then I I think yeah, I as soon as I stopped being a fan of watching like the best duke it out with the best in a video game i'm that. that's when i know i'm like oh man i'm getting too old for this shit yeah exactly <laughs> like,
0: i mean, I mean especially like i mean it's, it's one of those things that hey there's there's so much bullshit that we put up with because we like you know that that feeling of like you were saying you know transitioning into running events as opposed to just like doing the design or something like that it's like there is something there that providing someone you know with their potentially like first good you know experience like i really loved when i was doing social it's like i really loved running into people who were meeting other people that they'd never met in person before um at like events and stuff like that and that was something i really loved at lands was seeing like seeing that in person seeing pe- people be like yeah i played with i played dota with like these people for like five years and this is the first time we're actually meeting in person because america doesn't get you know dota events that often right So there's like little there's little bits of magic like I think that like esports runs on magic in certain ways and I'm it's very clear that like that magic is attractive to big business and big business. I don't want to be like super cynical because like I know that esports can't be this like small niche thing forever. You know it's trying to keep that like fairy in a bottle kind of thing right. Um, but at the same time, it's like I want it to keep some of that magic, you know, if, if that magic like burns out for me It's like I I'm disappointed in that I'm sad at that. I want it to like be able to still have that like place for me
1: Well, that that's the thing as soon as it loses that magic and I don't think it will because that's the magic that keeps attracting these guys Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and it, I, and, it drip, and it starts from there and it starts dripping down from like the design to the companies to the merch that's what we were saying i guess that's the thing
0: right is that like you have these super i think um i don't remember the entire quote but i have it written down somewhere somewhere is that like this kind of like culture and success is about macro applications of like micro instances where you have you like say for fashion or something like say like i don't, I don't know anything specific but it's like um say like skinny jeans or something like that right it's like skinny jeans get worn in a smaller space like a smaller group of people and then eventually people understand why that works as a style for that group of people and then a company will come in and be like okay cool now we can market that to a more mass audience and then it's, so like i said it's a macro application of like a micro example and it's it's a similar thing with esports i guess where it's like you know, you are going to have these very weird communities and these very weird games and these very weird, like, reasons why things are hype. But as long as business is craving those weird experiences to be able to, like, relate to a bigger audience, it's like, there's no way you can stop that, I guess. You know, there's always going to be, like, melty blood in the bathroom, you know? And even that... There's always going to be
1: Street Fighter 2 tournaments. Yeah, there's always going to be people... 40 years now.
0: Yeah, and, but but the thing is, is that like you you have those. I remember there was like a street, a third strike like teams tournament that I think it's every year, but I think I haven't watched it
1: in forever. Yeah, but... co-op, So cooperation cup takes place in Japan. Yeah, exactly, years. exactly. And it's the biggest third strike tournament. Yeah, it's and been going on for like twenty years. And right? it's well, evil's well, been going on for twenty years. My right? point and is that's...
0: though. My point is yeah. though is that like hypothetically, right? Hypothetically, you have people completely burned out on fighting games or something like that, or it's completely, it feels bland, it feels cultureless, or whatever. And then you've got this group of people that are still running these 3v3 third-strike tournaments for um, a game that doesn't get updates anymore, that Capcom does, like, it sells in a couple, like, anniversary collections and shit, but, like, you know, Capcom isn't really looking at it as, like, a major, like, property they're going to sell. And then all it really takes is, like, one hype event, or, like, one hype match, even, Where it happens in the tournament and then it gets its spread on Twitter and then everyone starts tuning in to like the rest of the tournament because they're like, oh, damn, this is actually like really hype, you know, the format or like how it happens or maybe this one team or whatever, an upset or something like that. And then it's like when the event is over, then people start dissecting it a little bit and they go, okay, why was this special? You know, there, and in most cases, it's special because the enthusiasm is there, despite there not being a huge potential for revenue or return. You know, people just love Third Strike. Like, I want one of. uh, I have an idea bank for this this newsletter, and like one of my ideas is literally talking about Third Strike because of its music and its design and its animation and just how it feels cool. You know, its coolness in video game form distilled, you know. And the thing is is that like it, there's no way that that's mass like uh, attractive to the masses. It's so niche, but if you hit it at just the right time, then the companies come in and go, "Okay, like how do how do we dissect why that's a cool moment and then try to translate it else somewhere else?" Um I guess like the the last question I have and this was something that I was curious about from a fashion standpoint right. is like I know that it's it's just interesting to me in esports how much it's taking from like hip hop culture or like hip hop fashion culture or streetwear culture in terms of right. the language in terms of like the the idea of like a drop or like an exclusive drop or like that kind of sculpting you know, like sneaker sculpting and stuff like that <laughs> they're trying to hit that all those reasons for people to buy. You know, they're trying to take that sneaker sculpting like exclusivity, and they're trying to port it into like esports merch. And there are p- these people that are like picking up that cultural like um, bookmark. You know, they're they're picking up that cultural thing, and they don't even understand why. They don't even like understand where it's coming from. They don't even understand like why it's hitting them the way that they're that it is. And I, I guess I want to... like as someone who presumably you know has has been involved with those kind of circles you know it's like how do you look at something like hundred thieves do that like kind of exclusivity drop and try to like port that over from hip-hop and it's like it doesn't i don't want to say it doesn't feel real because it's still working you know but at the same time it's like you have all these people that are yeah uh,
1: well the thing is it doesn't feel it doesn't really feel so when, when when i first like a few years ago when 100 thieves first did it I thought it was pretty corny. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, and nothing against, and the thing is, I I felt corny as a as a fan of streetwear, as a business person. I thought it was really smart because you're artificially, um, you're trying to replicate a culture, and I was like, look, you're trying to do something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, part of, that's from like that you took from another culture, and you're trying to implement it into this one, and I, I appreciate that, and that's awesome, and I thought that aspect was pretty awesome, but I, initially I I felt really in. I once, uh, let me rephrase i won't say corny it was really on inauthentic and yes the reason why yeah. i i felt that way was because i was like i don't see anyone but gamers wear this uh i still don't see 100 thieves in public that as often as it isn't I as want.
0: culturally big as it's being made out to be yeah like it isn't like Bape, like, or it isn't like i'm thinking about other like it isn't supreme, supreme. you know like, it isn't I, that's I mean, the thing. It's
1: not even like Kith or Noah. And that's the thing. Like what what these the reason why it's called street wear is because people see it on the street first. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's the thing. Like people, like people I don't see someone in like the streets of Shinjuku wearing 100 Thieves. I see them wearing like I don't know, like paraboots or like Bape or like Union Bridge, Uniform Bridge, or like Momotaro's. Like I see that. And that's where that's the thing that that's a big disconnect with. And here's a personal grip of mine esports merch, like they want to try to appeal to a lifestyle, but they don't make it for a lifestyle, right? What's, it's, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's pouring it
0: over a culture that they haven't earned, you yeah, know, they, it, they it's, haven't it's,
1: earned at all, right? And that's the thing, like you, you can't make a limited release if, like, you can make a limited release. I get it. It's fine, whatever your budget, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't make it cool if like other people aren't like other cool influencers outside of like esports aren't wearing it uh, in the street publicly without you having to pay for it. That's that's where the that's you know how we were talking about the magic of um, organic enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. With clothing, that's the that's where the magic happens. The magic is like I like this. I thought I looked cool. I'm gonna wear it on the street today in public, right? Yeah. Uh, without without someone taking a photo and hashtagging or tagging hundred thieves on Instagram for it, yeah, I'm gonna wear it like, and that's that doesn't thing. matter. That watch...
0: clout that you get it like the, the like like I was saying with the design thing, it's like the it's so the balance is off. You know the balance it's, it's... the balance of fashion is being superseded by look at me, I got this exclusive thing.
1: Yeah, you know, and that, and... that's my that that's my biggest problem with the fashion industry in in esports. It's like. You, we're not making products for people to wear in public and that's my goal my goal was to yeah I have to wear design a jersey but like look how many cool oh I love your secure
0: I love your fucking Sakura stuff I love the shit that you're like I, 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 I like, for me I don't even know if it's your exact tattoos or whatever but whenever I see like a jersey that you've done I'm like that almost looks like the tattoos that he's put on his body and he's just like transplanted like it's, just, it's not the same ones exactly but it's that same feeling of hey like yeah. I would want to put it on an actual thing that I would wear
1: and that's the thing i'm trying to make it where you're you could wear it in the street you could wear it in public and no one has to like worry about what it is it just looks good they don't have it's to such a weird it. thing because it's like yeah.
0: you you can't it uh, for me okay so you, i'm glad you i'm glad you brought it up uh, or like i'm glad you brought it or put it in those words because it's like for me, um, it's like those two people we were talking about. It's like the, there's right. the fan and then there's the business person. And you look at like 100 Thieves and you go, okay, you manufactured scarcity. Congratulations. Big, big claps, great, you know. Great business stuff. Great, great business like, great stuff. Business awesome. Business move, but,
1: but Not taking it away from that. It was a great business move. No, of course. it worked. It
0: yeah, works. it worked. But the, the reason, part of the reason why it worked is that you didn't, like the, the audience that, the audience that was, tested by that like that's a test right the test mm-hmm. is going and saying is this really worth it is it worth me paying two hundred dollars for a crew neck shirt that has a very simple hundred thieves on the front of it and there's no real like it doesn't i'm not i'm not about to go into the like oh you're selling a hundred dollar white t-shirt thing because that's all you know it's like art whatever i'm not going about to well, go into the. Actually- I'm not about to go into let's, the sub- subjectivity of art here, but I'm more just saying is that like well, the people
1: to the there's, here's the thing about a $200 t-shirt or a $100 t-shirt, the it's about the build quality. Is it stitch well? Is the is the cotton thick or is it like light but like has a property where you like for example a white t-shirt that's light generally it has the nipple problem. You get to see people's nipples. and see through, but there's a type of fabric out like type of way to do cotton that's very expensive. Or you can make it light, but you can't see. It's not see through, it. right? Like we can we can argue that hey, is the worth is the quality of that 100 hundred dollar t shirt of a hundred thieves whatever as good as like reigning champ, which is like a very good basic, basic uh, essentials brand. No, is that as good as like uh, colorful standard, which is like an ethical. Uh, basic essentials brand no and worst part is those two companies they make better products at like 25 percent less
0: so here's my thing though here's the thing where i'm going with that is that the people that are being tested by that marketing of the exclusivity of of the, the merch and stuff like that they don't know the like I I didn't know that about the cotton thing and the nipples and whatever. It, but now that I do, now that I can, now I can kind of rationalize it a little bit more. The thing is, right. the people being tested by the esports exclusive merch, you know, marketing plan, they don't know that, and they don't. They're they're not encouraged to know that, and they don't. What they're what they're reacting to, how their brain is reacting to it, is I need to have it because it gives me status. Regardless of like, they aren't picky about it. Like maybe they're picky about it because they can't afford it or because they can't get it or something like that. But the reason they want it is not because of good build quality. The reason they want or they want it is not because this is a good piece that I can add to my wardrobe so that I can, you know, um you know, mesh it in with you know all these other pieces that I have. Right. The reason that they're going after it, the reason they're being hooked by it, is because of the status of getting that drop, being able to post that they got that drop, being able to, you know, resell it or something like that. And I think that's what, I don't know, when I was mentioning earlier about like, okay, do you ever feel like you're going to like move on from esports or something if it stops being for you? I'm really glad that you like brought up the, the like looking at it through a streetwear lens, right? Because right. that's what I mean is like the, the authenticity of it. Does it stop? Does everything just stop? have that kind of tint to it you know like eventually right does it get to a point where you're sitting there and being like well shit they're they've basically just like copy and pasted what you know streetwear does but the people that are being the people that have the opportunity to say that this is corny or, or to hold them to a higher standard or to be as picky as like a streetwear aficionado would all of a sudden that doesn't matter anymore you know it's like it Ideally, or not ideally, but, like, what hundred Thieves probably wants is to go and say, we're going to produce a high-quality shirt that even streetwear aficionados are going to say, hey, okay, cool, this is good. I want to be able to wear this because I care about it that much. But it's almost like you can't. You know, like, like, it's almost like you can't because there's, they found so much success from people who aren't thinking about it in that lens. They're just thinking, I want this piece of a hundred thieves merchandise because it's exclusive because it's going to get me status. And then a hundred thieves goes and goes, well, is it even worth like trying to like cater to the streetwear aficionados anymore? We can just keep fleecing these people that think that, you know, it must be good because it's $500, you know?
1: But that's, but that's the thing. That's where companies die uh in fashion that's where companies have died many many giants have died because of because they they crossed that boundary they said why do i have to change i'm not gonna do this why Why, do i why
0: why do i have to stop um it's a humility thing right it's once you start having humility of how you approach your your customers that's when that internally it poisons the company from inside out and that's what i'm kind of like worried about with esports a little bit i don't know
1: i don't that that's the thing uh i don't think you'll ever will ever have to worry because it's a young industry and that there's always new empires being built yeah, right? yeah of course and those empires will probably like if if one of these empires like if the t- 100 thieves, um, 100 thieves empire decides to like hey <laughs> we're gonna stop we're gonna just keep doing this like uh this cycle of like merch releases yeah, yeah. because it keeps making us money and that's when they die that's when that's when they lose that like whatever marketing experiment that magic of, <laughs> that they lose that, that magic. magic when they lose that magic like for example like can i can i talk a bit about uh my fashion knowledge of, go for or it this is what you're here okay.
0: for go for it
1: so like there we all know the brand j crew right yes okay j crew for a long time like from the 80s to like 2000 early up until early 2010s they they made oxford shirts look good and cool because why they made high quality products they made sure the the product was fashionable the cuts fit on all the people and the best part was it was hard to get (laughs) it was really hard to get so then they realized one we cash in on this they mass produced the product and then they've been super bankrupt Super fucking bankrupt, right? They've been filing for bankruptcy for the last five, six, seven years. And then what did they do? They actually went out and hired Supreme's, one of Supreme's older uh, head designers, who's the head designer of, uh, of Noah right now. They hired a streetwear guy to try to revive the brand. And we don't know what he's going to do with it yet, but he's, he's, he's definitely changed the corporate culture there because one of the things he's done is he doesn't answer emails you have to text him or talk to him face to face because he's not a mark like he's not a traditional project manager yeah he's a he's he's a he's a builder like he looks at himself as a builder and that's that could happen to 100 thieves they could try to buy the magic back and at that point to me that's uh that's the point of no return you're 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 done you're done at that point and Empires fall all the time, uh, especially in any anything. Where the Roman Empire has fallen, but in fashion, especially, we've seen many empires fall. Well, I I've Guess a was book. huge in the oh, yeah, yeah. Guess yeah. was huge in the '90s, and they they had a little bit of a blip when they tried to appeal to to the streets, like to to get that magic back. And they managed to do it because they gave ASAP Rocky full autonomy and creativity. But then what happened when they? what happened when they they stop hiring rocky all right yeah of course guess is guess is dead <laughs>
0: like... yeah i i read i think uh, mark echo has a book about like i think it's called, i forget what the the title of the book is but I, I read it a couple years ago and that was that was one of the things where i was like you, you see the transition between you know street brand to once they start trying to mat like put it in every store And once they go hey okay like Nordstrom or like some big like you know Walmart or something like that and then you're you're like okay cool it's lost a little bit of it because of how accessible it is but I don't like it's interesting in the sense of that for me I think I went I think I wanted esports to be like a big thing in order to like validate my choice you know I wanted it to go and I wanted it to be big so that I could say that hey like this is a worthwhile use of my time. This is a worthwhile right. gamble for my, like my career that kind of stuff. And it's like, now that I'm like a little bit older and like, I'm seeing that the culture change or I'm seeing like how certain things are, certain things are getting lost in the shuffle to try to make it bigger, to try to make the entire industry bigger. I'm like, I don't care. if uh, I don't necessarily care if this crashes, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily care if all of a sudden, like the, all these big teams go belly up or something because as long as there's like you know as like you were saying with fighting games it's like as long as there's two people recording you know with their phones a set on a on a CRT TV or something like that or something super ghetto it's like that's still esports you know and that still captures that magic so i don't necessarily care like i if you know if fucking if phases yep. ipo goes crazy and and goes terrible and they like die or if like liquid or hundred thieves or something goes belly up it's like yeah it probably is going to suck for me as like a, a professional because it means that i'll have like less places that i can like get work and be like get stability from but from a cultural perspective i'm like ah, i don't care <laughs> you know yeah, like you it, don't
1: care you, you know i i know why i wouldn't care if they go belly up i wouldn't care because it means that how they approached it wasn't the right way yeah because of course. It, it didn't make money so that means we're going to return back to we're going to return back to form. Well, there's a and different hopefully... there, there's a different there's a
0: difference between not making money and not making money at scale, right? It's right. like if if Liquid or Hundred Thieves or Phase or whoever if they they can make money, but as soon as they try to make too much money, that it becomes unsustainable because their entire model of investment mean like once once you take on investors, you can't stop scaling. There's no, no investor can't. is ever going to be happy to be like Okay, hey, stop like, growing. stop growing. <laughs> it, it, I, I don't want to make more dividends, you know. So, that's why I was saying about that kind of like hypothetical model of that like rich person's toy, you know. If a rich person owns an entire company and there's no investment and they're comp- they're f- fine funding it, and maybe they make a little bit of return, but they're making their money from something else, and this is just like something fun for them to play with. Um, that's kind of like it's maybe selfish, but that's like where people can actually make like decent amounts of money. And there isn't that, that like pressure to, to scale endlessly and lose the culture in the process.
1: Actually, Matt, you watch wrestling too. Right? I watch like, wrestling. Like I know you of course. Do. Like, this I, is a Tony Khan problem. Yeah, that's Literally Tony Khan came in and saved uh, wrestling in North America. That's literally what he did. So for, so like... for
0: context, so for context, um, pro wrestling in North America uh, for the past, like I want to say like 50 years has been, Pretty much the WWF WWE. Um, eventually, they they absorbed in all the other kind of competition, and then a couple of years ago, a the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. His name's Tony Khan, and his dad is also uh, his dad also owns like a bunch of stuff. His name's Shahid Khan. He um, he owned like an automotive company. Sorry, I'm just looking at like the Wikipedia. They own like they own an NFL team. They own something in the Premier League, and then they also basically said hey Tony Khan is such a big wrestling fan that he figured out a way in order to work with specific people on the independent circuit to make a competitor to WWE. And that's the thing right, is that like even though I know that there's a limit to it of like how much it could be like how much money they can waste before the company maybe goes belly up, there still is that feeling of like okay, Tony Khan and his dad have so much money that this is where it's a rich person's playground. They get to sign all the the people that they want. They get to, you know, they have a, you know, a video game coming out. They have all these other things that require a lot of investment. And it's like, at what point does that rich person get bored and say, I'm tired of losing money on this thing that I really care about. So it's, it's, it's a different kind of stability. You know, it's, it's creative freedom, like there's a lot of there's a lot of performers who really hated working for the WWE that go work at AEW, and um, they can be a lot more creative and they can be a lot more authentic. But at the same time, that's all predicated on Tony Khan being interested long term. If all of a sudden they're just like, yeah, this is losing too much money, um, or I'm just bored, um, all of a sudden all these people lose their jobs and all these people like you know need to suddenly find a new way of making a living. And that's 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 like you said, I'm glad you brought that up because it's that that kind of fits into my like rich person's toy thing for esports. But it's like, you know, you're trading artistic freedom, I guess, or the freedom to like have the trust of your owner that says, okay, I trust in your vision. I trust what you want to do. I trust that not doing what this really successful company is doing is just as valid. But then you have to worry about like them getting tired or the money eventually running out. There's a whole other different issue, I guess.
1: It's a whole different other issue, but it becomes a little more, uh, I feel like you take out a, like a lot of middlemen when you do it that way. Right. Because like, let's face it. Like when, when you have an investment company, you have to answer to like a board, but yeah. when you have like a 21 investor named Tony Khan, who happens to be the head of creative. Yeah. Uh etc etc then they only have to answer one person and that one person is uh is the one, like he is going to be the one making money but he, the the stream the process gets more streamlined yeah right as long it's as basically i look at it as like the best of both worlds like yeah you still get the whole ah i got a rich investor corporate side but then you have like the whole creative freedom side whereas like where you don't have to scale up per se you can literally maintain what you have it just depends on
0: that person having a really strong vision like the thing is that person has to have a super strong vision and that person has to be able to understand what's like there's two there's two ways of going about it right there's someone like tony khan who's super hands-on and is head of creative and understands what makes wrestling special that guy was running well that guy was posting on image board or like uh forums in the early 2000s anonymously to to argue about wrestling just because he liked it that much, right? Um, so you you have that person that understands the culture and understands what's special about it, and then also has the resources and gives the trust for, you know, wrestlers or are in our case like people like you and me who are doing like design or social media or something, they go and say, okay, I trust your vision and I trust your values. I'm going to give you the resources to be able to do it. There's that, and then there's the like that completely hands-off guy there's a person that has a lot of money and wants to just like play with their action figures and I don't think that's what Tony Khan is I think like to a certain degree maybe but like a person that's completely hands-off basically goes go and make it work and they hire a bunch of middlemen and it's up to those middlemen to have the company's best interest in mind because with wrestling and into a certain degree with esports there are people where it's like, there's a famous story. I think it's about like there's a Netflix series called Glow, and it's called it's a short form for Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, and that was a original TV series in like the 80s, I think late 80s, early 90s, or something like that. Um, sorry, I'm thinking I'm crossing my I'm 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 crossing my wires when it comes to women's wrestling, but there was a company called Wrestleicious. Which was, yes, an- was. which was another women's wrestling company where they were like, okay, we can make a niche company that's all women wrestlers. The thing is, the person that funded Wrestleicious was like a guy who won like $320 million, $35 million in the lottery. And the thing is that this guy didn't exactly know, like he didn't know anything about the wrestling business or like he didn't like, he was a fan, but at the same time, he didn't know what he was really doing from a business perspective. He was just a guy who was really rich. And... The thing is, is that when you hire, like, wrestling is a very carny industry. It is, it is based on people who want to get in to where money is and get that money and then leave. Or basically say, like, I don't really care if this company crashes and burns. I just, I'm going to get the money that I can. And then when it crashes and burns, I'm going to move on to the next thing. And that's what happened with Wrestlelicious. And that's what happened. That's, that's probably what happens very regularly on the esports side of things. Is that you have people, especially with crypto. Crypto has made a lot of nerds very rich. And that means right. that they can spend it on things like esports. And then they'll hire, like we said at the beginning of this podcast, those consultants that don't know what they're doing. They'll those consultants will give themselves a hundred K plus, two hundred K salary. The money will run out, and then all of a sudden all these people that, you know, actually put their effort into something special now don't have a place to work, you know, just because it dies. So it's a very dangerous game. It's a it's a dangerous game and like I like you said, it's like I think things will solidify a little bit in the next like five years. Where we'll see maybe we'll probably see some big big teams become that like bigger than esports kind of thing. We'll see some teams die. We'll see some teams like scale back. But the way that it's coming from, like that, I f- see it anyway, is that every team now wants to be a lifestyle brand because <laughs> well, <you've, laughs> yeah. you you laugh at that because you've probably heard how many meetings have you been in when they go, we want to be a lifestyle brand.
1: Right, oh, man. every meeting and they look at me because like let's face it i know we're not doing video i don't look like i belong here <laughs> i have a face tattoo i'm tied up to the gills i look like a tattoo artist and i'm i'm not gonna I'm, i'll be a little Kanye-ish. i do dress better than the average person yes right? so, so it's like i i like i've been in so many meetings and they're like you get it right Life you sense. get that and street
0: like, with streetwear thing you know
1: yeah and i was like i get it because i lived it not because i can produce it you i can't force it. it like it can't be forced it can't, yeah it and... can never be forced which is hundreds of things <laughs> biggest problem like you're trying to make this like uh... <laughs> uh, they, they do <laughs> or or the make... thing
0: is i don't want to turn this into shitting on any one specific company but at the same time it's right. like you know it's about it's about authenticity and it's about being genuine and the thing that i've always thought of with that um that uh lifestyle brand thing is that you can't have 5 or 10 different competing lifestyle brand for one customer the idea no. for it to be a lifestyle brand is that they're viewing all their purchases or ideas or culture through that one thing right and if you're all of a sudden you have 10 esports teams 5 esports teams that all want to be lifestyle brands you're all competing for that same pool of potential you know cult members essentially and some are gonna fall you know it's like i i I interviewed for a company that i interviewed for an esports team that that they're they basically like contract out their creatives to do like you know brand consulting and stuff like that and the client that they wanted to work for was a very is a very niche client and they want to make themselves into a lifestyle brand and it's like how do you turn this niche product into something that invades the entire? being of someone, you know, it's like when you have a lifestyle brand, like say Bape or like Supreme or something like that, it's not because they are, it's not because they're providing every product under the sun in order to, to get that one customer. That customer is just so emotionally attached. And so like believing in the vision of that company that, yeah, then they, they become advocates and they become like, you know, they, they, live their lives through that like supreme lens you know and i don't I, it's a competition for for those eyeballs i guess i don't know if there's enough to satisfy everything
1: uh, and see the, the, the essence of all these brands that there were people first right oh yeah Bape they were. Like,
0: there were people first
1: yeah like Bape was an, like Bape was basically nigo saying i love literally planet of the apes why isn't there more planet of the apes merch
0: monkeys right? everyone loves gorillas let's go
1: everyone loves gorillas why is there no more right like he and that's the thing and you know the best part is here's the you know the origin story of supreme right
0: no i don't actually Um oh okay let me tell you okay. this, is, this is the
1: this is the greatest uh non endemic to me this is the greatest non-endemic person to ever make an organic product okay The james jabaya does not even skate he just <laughs> said he's just like Oh, that looks pretty cool. And then he gave it to a skate like a t-shirt to a skater friend. And then he started selling a ton of clothes. And he learned it because he used to work at Stussy. And he's like, "Yo, I could run a skatewear store?" Hell like yeah. Stussy. And then he did it and he became like and as we know, when people think of streetwear, they think of supreme So it's like that this like, and how did he do that? He literally captured the magic. He's like, yo, I'm gonna have these people come hang out in my store. I don't really give a fuck what they do as long as they buy my t-shirt. And then, and then these guys are wearing it on the street because they're like, oh, it looks better than Stussy right now. Right. See, so, that's the
0: thing, right? That's the funny thing is like how, like that's such a, like a luck of the draw situation that that guy didn't come off as inauthentic. You know, like that, that guy could have easily come off as inauthentic, but the quality of the product superseded like the sin I I don't want to say the cynicism because maybe not everyone like you know is aware of that kind of like mentality of like okay I'm not a skater I'm just going to leverage the skater audience you know but like there is a degree of okay the the quality of the product or like who is wearing it or even who is wearing it if if someone's wearing it enough to influence a bunch of other people they have to think that it's good you know and you can't manufacture that
1: You, you really can't which is why like The biggest problem with, like, uh, and I'm not trying to. No, of course. I'm refrain from, like, copying other teams. But, like, that's the thing with trying to use merch as a revenue driver. You have to make sure that it's ready for for public wear. And it has to look different. It can't just be, like, a logo slap on, like, a basic garment. It has to actually try to be a fashionable item yeah you can't be good for
0: esports like that's the thing is there's this there's definitely a level that's like okay this is good but it's good for esports or like this isn't good but it's good enough for esports and i think that you can't even like entertain that level of quality you you have to like go be you have to shoot beyond because if you're just settling for being good for esports once like if you're sitting there and being like okay this is good for esports and then all of a sudden you put this against like a real t-shirt or like a real high end like you know, fashion item or something. It's clear that it's it's just not, you know, it doesn't stand up at all.
1: It doesn't. Yeah, that that, that that's like, and we try to chase that authentic feeling. But that's a, and to circle back this whole conversation, it has to start with the two people who who want to compete, right? Will these yeah. guys look competing? Will they be walking outside? Well, that's how you. That's how they get to wear their product. Yeah, that's and, the whole. Yeah. <sighs>
0: I think, like, that's the thing, right? Is that, like, it's those two people competing, but it's, like, at the end of the day, um, it's still video games, you know? And that's where that competition is coming from. And if the people that are, like, you have to be humble enough to go and say, like, okay, video games aren't lame, you know? Like, if 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 they're trying to capture that, like, streetwear feeling, you you still can't get away from video games, you know? It's like, it, it can't be divorced entirely from video games and you can't be ashamed that it's video games. You can't be like, okay, well, we're going to try to go like, I guess it's easier now because video games are more like, you know, mainstream and shit like that. But it's like, you know, you can't be ashamed of where you came from because if you're ashamed of where you came from, the authenticity doesn't come through.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm actually really excited. I, I'm i excited to see how the first, uh, like, eSport team, crosses over to the actual mainstream in North America because like I look at like an industry like F1 and it took F1 like maybe like I don't know like six years five years oh well four we're gonna actually four years let's let's say four years to have mainstream appeal because of Netflix right yeah but it, uh, but that Netflix but,
0: like that's why the Netflix like the Netflix series worked because it's showing something that's authentic you know okay. it, and
1: but that's why I'm really excited because like I want to see how it's going to cross over yeah because because is it going to be like a Netflix series or is it going to actually be through like the culture is it going to be like through the streets yeah because if it's it going to be through the streets then it, the like yeah it'll be interesting to see how the fashion will will, will, will take it over well, I mean, because... we'll
0: we'll we'll hit there through the like like I said, it, if it does happen through a Netflix show, or if it does happen from that like one like thing happening, um, or that one like piece really breaking through, all we can really hope for is that the person in charge of it actually gets it, you know, like we were saying about like, hundred thieves putting forth what a hundred thieves thinks esports culture is, right? And then maybe it isn't, you know, if that Netflix documentary comes out and what's being put. It's like Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I I don't want to extend this, this episode too much longer, but sorry. No, 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 it's fine. But D and D has this problem right now where, because what is popular is critical role. It's like this big, like podcast that um, is played by a professional guy who runs the games and a bunch of like professional voice actors. The thing is that's brought a lot of eyeballs to D and D, but it's also created a lot of unrealistic expectations about what playing D and D is like, because everyone thinks that it's going to be like this product and that's what i'm kind of like when we talk about like a giant breakthrough product it's like there's a danger that it's like that where people go oh this isn't like this documentary you know and i think the f1 series maybe like sidestepped that a little bit because it was made probably with i'm gonna look it up right now but uh it's called drive to survive if you um want to look yeah. or if you if you people listening to this who have never heard of it before i have it downloaded but i've never watched it i've heard it's really good um, but it is like with collaboration with formula one. So it is kind of like that big governing body, but if it was just like one team putting out like a documentary, it could come off as different. So I don't know. I'm like, I said, part of what I, what I want to do with this newsletter is explore these kind of like feelings of, you know, the vibe shifting or things maybe not feeling authentic or, you know, what, how we kind of all navigate that thing, because we ultimately like really do like their competition and video games and like, you know, that that passion there and it's like what happens when that changes what happens when that potentially like is defined by someone else so um but yeah dude thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it do you have anything you want to like shill or like anywhere people can find you that kind of stuff or anything that I, you want to say before we you know
1: if i i would just like to see uh everyone wear better
0: clothes (laughs) (laughs) learn go go on i don't even know i was gonna say go on reddit men's fashion but it's like that probably isn't even like a good starting place so do you have any do you have any like big starter like a starter guide like somewhere to go and be like okay do do read this book read this blog post dress better
1: so there's there's a really great youtube channel that digitalizes uh and it turns fashion into something really satirical Yeah, but i think he gives legitimately great fashion advice and his name is frugal aesthetic check his stuff out use every advice that he gives you <laughs> and you either follow it or you don't and you're gonna have your own style I just like, awesome. yeah so that that's check that out first
0: i think my I, i'm the way that my audio recording has set up i might have just given people a, a blast of his uh the first second of his channel trailer there so i apologize but yeah anyway uh like i said do did you want to like chill your like twitter or anything like that i think it's just drew face underscore on twitter. i think
1: yeah drew face underscore uh, honestly if you do follow me thanks you're gonna listen to like a lot of wrestling tips but other than that like <laughs> wrestling tattoos
0: and and that kind of stuff i i appreciate it anyways uh thanks again for listening guys to plus art uh this is episode 22 we are recording late july but this is probably going to come out in august um yeah like i said this comes out weekly if you're on if you want to get a little earlier you can check out my patreon patreon.com slash matt demmers we do this new episodes come out on wednesday there and then they come out on substack on fridays um And yeah, everything else can be found at bio.mat or one more mat.com. That's all my other, like, you know, Twitter and social and all that stuff. So yeah, thanks again, dude. We'll, um, we'll talk soon, but yeah, I'll let
1: you go. Thanks man. Bye.